welcome to our second edition of St. Patrick's Podcast at the St. Patrick's Centre, Dan Patrick. I'm Martina Purdy. And I'm Elaine Kelly, and we want to wish you a happy, happy St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day, Day from, from the, the cradle, cradle of Christianity. Christianity. And today we have a very special guest, a man named after St. Patrick himself, with many connections to Ireland's patron saint. Patrick Dexter is a Dublin-born musician who has made headlines around the world during lockdown playing and recording his cello music from his garden in the west of Ireland. And Patrick plays everything from U2 to traditional Irish music, and today he's helping us to rock the cradle of Christianity. Patrick, you're very welcome to the programme. Tell us, what inspired you to make music in Mayo? Well, hello to you both and everybody listening. Thank you so much for inviting me to come to speak to you today. I'm delighted. Um, St. Patrick, as you can imagine, is a character from my life and my life story that has featured very prominently. Um, but uh, to begin, yes, my what began me playing music? Well, uh, I began as a child, very young, and relevant perhaps to what we're talking about today. It began in St. Patrick's Cathedral, which uh, is where my father was the organist and conductor for many years, a quarter century he was there. And as a young child, I went into the choir school there in Dublin, in St. Patrick's Cathedral, and we would, every morning, 8 a.m., have choir practice, and then we would sing matins, and then later on, even song. And of course, on the Sunday, we would have two services and practices in the evening as well. So it was a, it was a day, a childhood chocker block filled with music. And of course, my dad being a musician, there was always music at home as well. I, yeah. Yeah. Patrick, I see that you became a musician in a family of seven. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, so um, I have three brothers and three sisters, and we grew up, all seven of us, playing music. As I said, my dad was a musician in the cathedral, and he taught us all to, to sing, first of all, and then had us all learn instruments. My two older sisters played the violin, and I was number three, the oldest boy, and I was given a cello. And yeah, I, uh, I have taken it on ever since. And each one of my family members, they're all fantastic musicians, now, many of them do different types of jobs, but all of us, we always play music and uh, especially around Christmas time. Unfortunately, this year wasn't the case, but we always get out our instruments and play together. So it was a it was a noisy household with seven <laughs> children uh, and lots of music. The neighbors weren't always happy, but uh, we were always delighted. Well, it's just such a beautiful it's a beautiful story, Patrick. And you still play with your father virtually uh, from the west of Ireland. Tell us about that. I do. Yes. So. Uh, as you can imagine, we, we can't play easily together and for the last year, but he has always been my piano player, my accompanist, uh, when I started off young as a singer and now as a cellist. And we do still get to play together because of the wonders of technology. You know, the same thing that allows me to speak to you right now from my home in the west of Ireland uh, allows me to play with my father. He records himself playing the piano and he sends me these recordings and I play along to them with my cello. Often I take the recordings outside into my garden and I play the cello along to my father uh, out in the beautiful nature we have here in County Mayo. And though we're not beside each other, it f definitely feels uh, that we're close when we do that. And Patrick, you know, I have to say one of the most fascinating things that I've read about you is the fact that you live in the shadow of Croke Patrick in County Mayo at Clue Bay. And I have to just tell you, that blows me away. Um, I've been up to Croke Patrick a few times. Martina and I have... Uh, climbed it twice but I have to say you're a lucky man blessed he's I, blessed <laughs> I do indeed yeah I'm looking as I speak to you now I'm looking at Crook Patrick and it is uh, uh, a mountain uh, 
piece of the landscape that has followed me all my life. I have always thought of it. It's I, I feel it has great um, importance for Irish people. Uh, I believe um, everything about it, what it means, its history, as well as it's just its its beautiful shape and form, is something that is so important uh, to all Irish people, but in particularly to me because. Um, you know, I I didn't grow up here uh, in County Mayo, but my grandfather's cottage was here and we spent all our summers. As you can imagine, with seven children, we could never, <laughs> the thought of going abroad was just ne- never going to happen. So um, we took all our holidays here in County Mayo. And uh, yeah, where my grandfather's cottage is, is along the, the Tower Forig, the um, St. Patrick's Way, which... Um, is a pilgrim route up to Croke Patrick, which I know you guys know well. Mm-hmm. And as you can see from my grandfather's cottage where we spent the summers, that beautiful, iconic, conical picture mm-hmm. uh, of the Croke Patrick, which if you know the bay well, you'll know is not in any way what the mountain looks like. You'll know that if you've climbed it, mm-hmm. that iconic picture is this very particular angle. It looks almost... Um, uh, something that is uh, been been sculpted, been designed. When you look at it from the angle of the pilgrimage route from um, Ballantubber Abbey, it has this perfect cone shape, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's the image. I mean, it was so ingrained in my mind. And when I would think of my happy summer holidays when I was deep in the middle of winter and not enjoying school when I was growing up, I would think of that shape of Croke Patrick and think of my summers in Mayo and it would always bring me, uh, always uplift me. Well, that is lovely. You know, we were still sisters and we were on a retreat in Knock and Elaine said, come on, we'll climb Croke Patrick. And I said, okay. And But as we drove towards it, I said, I'm not climbing that thing. Um, it was huge. It was just, we'd been used to the Belfast Mountains. So, but I have to say it was an amazing experience. And on a clear day to see Clue Bay, it's um, like we just love it and we hope to come and climb again very soon well you'd be you'd be very welcome it's uh, <laughs> i have to say it is a challenging as you know it's a challenging climb especially towards the end it does take perseverance um now you the wonderful thing about it is you're always sharing it with other pilgrims and you can meet some wonderful people but it is tough uh, as you know so well done for getting up and i hope you get to come soon and maybe we can join i can join you and we can walk together sometime up to the top That'd be amazing. And uh, Patrick, I, I just remember watching uh, some of your uh, tweets uh, when you were playing the cello and the dog seems to like the cello. <laughs> oh, indeed. Yes. Uh, my dog, Nisha, who's here beside me, she is a big fan of music, in particular <laughs> when it happens outdoors. Well, she has a, a limited patience for it. If uh, after a certain amount of time, she would like to go for a walk, definitely. Uh, I shouldn't say that word because she'll get very excited. But um, yeah, uh, if, if it's for a short dog. period of time, yeah, she will. Like um, yeah, she's she's going for, going for the door now, excited. But um, yeah, no, she loves to come out and listen. And you know, if she's in the house, she'll she'll rush straight out if if there's music happening outside because it's what she loves to do: laze around in the summer, especially when it's warm. Uh, and and sit by me while I play some music. Well, you know, I think there's something about the backdrop because you were playing against such extraordinary beauty. And when St. Patrick, as you know, was enslaved in Ireland, what uh, brought him close to God was he said that the 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 beauty of the countryside he knew was of the Most High God. And there is something spiritual about, I think, this backdrop as well that brings something to your music. And we'll hear that music now. Thank you. 
That was amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. So I think what St. Patrick was getting from it is something that anyone who spent time in particularly in the coastline of Ireland will be aware of is that the beauty is particular. I mean, the, the word beautiful doesn't quite sum it up because there's a harshness to it. There's a very sort of brute force reality of nature there as well as very picturesque and beautiful. So, you know, um, for example, here, in Clue Bay, you have the, the tranquility of the bay and the, the, the hundreds of small islands which you can look down for. And the water is very peaceful. But then you look just to the side and you have that open harshness of the wild Atlantic mm. beating against uh, the, the shores and the relentless uh, wind. So it's this, it's this mixture in the beauty, which I feel is very reflective of what often happens in our inner life. I often think that uh, nature... Um, when it reflects what's happening inside us, there's a powerful connection that goes in many ways beyond words, you know, and, and inside ourselves, we can find peace, we can tra find tranquility, but also there is, there is harshness and, and, and pain sometimes and various mm -hmm. things and, and these things mixed together. And I feel in the Irish landscape, these things are, are, are mixed, uh, uh, mixed up definitely. And we see, see them both in, in all this mountains and sea around us. So Patrick, just to pick up that reflection, you refer to the, the, the challenges and struggles and times we have in our life that can be inside us and can be reflected as well in the landscape. Can you say what uh, place faith has in your own life? So for me, it's been a, a story of faith in my life has taken many turns. And um, I, I think for me, certainly living where I'm living now, where I've been here for six years. And it was for me a, a decision that was made. It wasn't, um, I didn't, as I say, grow up here, though I spent my summers here. So I decided to live at a time in my life in my twenties, when most of my peers and friends were moving to say cities for opportunities and work or moving to places where, uh, there was sort of more going on in terms of an urban environment. I made the decision along with my, my wife now, my partner at the time, we made the decision to live somewhere that was uh, quiet, beautiful with nature. And for me, that was a spiritual act. That was something that didn't just because uh, happen to be the case. It was something we decided we want to have a closer connection to to nature and to uh, our spirituality. And that was something that I felt could be done in, in a quieter place such as this. So for me, um, my relationship with nature, as well as my relationship with the world around me and connecting that to my inner self is is a big part of my what I would call my spirituality or my faith and I feel that being connected with that so connected to both your inner self and the natural world around you is uh, for me a spiritual act and I think that engaging with that is something that maybe is often at odds to our uh, what's encouraged to be our lifestyle in the modern times but we only have to look back at many writers throughout history and um, St. Patrick is one of course but many people that have written about this this same thing this connection and how important it is to nurse it and um, yeah for me that is, is part of the story of my faith um, 
I could go into it at length <laughs> as to how I arrived at these conclusions. But for now, I'll just say that um, for me, spirituality is, is feeling a connection from your inner self to the outer world. And this is something that for me, I have found here on the West Coast of Ireland. Yeah, we are big fans of Bishop Robert Barron, who is a um, very famous um, writer and broadcaster in the United States. And, and he says that, you know, to find God, you go through beauty, and beauty leads to goodness, and goodness leads you to truth. Is that something you would agree with? That is interesting, yeah, because the certainly beauty was the, the pathway, was the gateway to this, um, what I feel is is a more spiritually engaged life that I would have here. Um, in in this quieter part of of the island of Ireland, beauty being the gateway because it was um, after spending time. I spent years working abroad as a teacher after I finished university, and um, myself, and my partner, we we travelled and we lived in Asia. And we were living in large cities in in Asia, and particularly spent a lot of time in Vietnam. And it was a wonderful experience. But it was the we saw many beautiful things there traveling. I'm really grateful, especially now for the experiences we can't travel. And I don't tend to travel now, uh, having that experience of traveling and seeing so many beautiful things, but the image of Ireland and its beauty was etched so deeply in my brain. It was the, it was the beauty of it first and foremost, which, which always made us think we, we would like to move back there and we would like to especially move to the West of Ireland in particular. And, it was through thinking about, well, why am, I, why am I valuing this beauty so much? Why is it so important? It was that sort of train of thought which uh, led on to, well, that's something that I think is important in life. And why? Well, what accompanies uh, beauty is often tranquility, um, humility. There's a, a sort of a, a line of, of thought that you go from, from beauty. And for me, um, it was something that I knew was there and was sort of in the clouds. You know, what is this feeling that I feel about beauty that's so important, especially in the natural landscape? And it, it was something that I wanted to explore. And I felt by, by being here in this very beautiful landscape, I had the, the space, the time and the, um, the inspiration to explore it. And indeed, it did lead me to uh, a path towards, I think, finding out what happiness was, finding out what I believed was truly good in life and good in other people. And uh, yeah, I feel I'm still on that path, but I think it, the first step did come with beauty. Yes, you know, I think you're quoting very much St. Augustine. You know, he said in his confessions, he came to belief in God in his 30s, and he said, Late have I loved you, O beauty, so ancient and so new. And also the fact that um, there is a true spirituality of creation, because that speaks of God. And I think very much... Patrick, if you don't mind me saying, what's moving very much in you is the reality of the beauty of God in our hearts and the beauty of God in nature. And um, what I want to then go on to ask you, if you don't mind, is do you feel, having said that, do you feel that Ireland has lost its faith and it has lost its spirituality? Well, I think if we're to understand faith and spirituality in Augustine's terms, I mean, it's a weird synchronicity you'd bring up Augustine, cause, because he is some, a, a figure that has featured strongly in my life. And uh, interesting, it's the same, around the same sort of time period as Patrick as well. I mean, this was a, a very turbulent time. And one of the big thinkers that to come out of that time, of course, was Augustine. And his, um, yeah, his idea about, he called it original sin, but I like to think of it as um, relating to mental health and the deep um, upset and 
uh, hurt that we can feel within us that we are unfortunately even the happiest person experiences it in life it is sort of inbuilt into our mortality and our human life and i feel that um the ways uh, to salvation for me for that uh, dealing with that inner pain and that what he called original sin is through engagement with the natural world and engagement with each other and i think in ireland today um i believe that there has been a difficulty that has set in with people addressing the inner problems they might have or the inner pain we might have something that has crept in over not just the last decade or so but um, hundreds of years of gradually eroding our connections with each other and eroding our connections with the natural land and you can see this uh, concrete examples of it are just that the attitude we have towards sort of disposable nature we have towards the natural world around us and Ireland having the, the worst track record in the world I think per capita for how we treat the natural world and that sort of disconnect uh, between us and the natural world allowing us to fester uh, the feelings of pain the feelings of hurt and the, the disconnections with our own spirit these two things running alongside I would think uh, Ireland has gotten into a bad, bad shape with, and, and I believe there really needs to be some sort of spiritual awakening to come, uh, particularly in terms of our, our views of how we connect, again, our inner selves to the natural world that, that needs to come around. Yeah, I think for myself, one of the problems I think is it's, it goes then to Aquinas, you know, mm -hmm. that uh, our hearts are made for God. Augustine told us that, but Aquinas said that we fill our hearts with the wrong things. You know, we try to fill it with power and money and wealth and pleasure, and those things are fleeting. And I think for me, I think that the Celtic tiger has lost some of mm -hmm. its um, spirituality from just the pure, you know, from wealth and um, going from poverty to wealth. I, I think Ireland is kind of like nouveau riche trying to come to terms with that. And at some point it will come to a new maturity and uh, it will return to its, hopefully it's the roots of the faith that Patrick sowed. And, you know, Patrick is an amazing figure and so much more interesting than the one that's caricatured on St. Patrick's Day. And yet he celebrated, which is great. And you're going to be part of the celebrations uh, next uh, well, today, actually, because it's St. Patrick's Day today. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, so I'm delighted to be uh, part of the, the global uh, celebration of Ireland that is St. Patrick's Day. It's such an important event for Irish people around the world and for our island. And uh, we have this opportunity to uh, present ourselves to the world and everybody be thinking of Ireland on that day. So, yes, I've been invited by a number of embassies to play as part of their St. Patrick's Day celebrations. Um, I'm excited. A few of them include in Brazil. I'll be there uh, playing. And also, uh, this is all virtually, of course. I won't be flying off to Brazil. But, uh, Spiritually. <laughs> yes, no, I will be there. I will be there in, in the heart. And, uh, uh, of course, one of the biggest ones for me is to be part of the Irish Embassy in, in the USA's celebration for St. Patrick's Day. And they've put together a very special program, which I feel so privileged to have been invited to be part of. And that will include um, some wonderful Irish musicians, as well as a huge number of uh, Irish-American um, culture and musicians there as well. And we will have the Taoiseach will be speaking as part of that as well. And, you know, some very uh, important people in America as well. So what that will involve is, of course, it's virtual. So I have uh, filmed myself playing music here at my home, as I often love to do and share with the world. And they are going to, the ambassador in the embassy over in um, 
Washington is going to present uh, my playing to the people there. And it's a wonderful privilege, not only to bring myself, but also this beautiful landscape of County Mayo to bring it to the world stage in that way is such a privilege. And uh, as a result of playing for the um, American Embassy, uh, you'll also be playing for Joe Biden, the new American president, uh, United, Pre United States president. I've just fluffed that. We'll have to edit that. United <laughs> States president. We don't have time to edit. You'll just have to live with it. You'll have to live with it for sure. I have no credibility anyway, so it doesn't matter. So you must be excited. You're playing for Joe Biden and a Mayo man yourself, like yourself. Yeah. So indeed, so Joe Biden is has this connection to County Mayo, uh, not far from here in where I am in North Mayo. His family would have embarked across the Atlantic uh, to settle over in America. So it's 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 a unique opportunity. Uh, it's it's absolutely incredible for this uh, this this uh, you know small county in, in, or it's a large county, but a uh, small number, uh, small populated county here in the west coast of Ireland to have this connection to the White House is quite amazing. And yeah, I'm, I'm delighted to be uh, part of that presentation. And whereas we will have to see today whether um, he will be able to join us because I know he's a busy man, but it's hoped. Um, but uh, certainly he will be engaging with the with the embassy and the St. Patrick's Day celebrations. And yep. I mean, for, for someone of that esteem to hear my music is just, I mean, it's a lifelong dream really, isn't it? I mean, if I, I always think if I could go back to uh, my child self, you know, as, as a choir boy there in St. Patrick's Cathedral and say to him, you're going, your music is going to be uh, performed for, for, for the president of America. I just would never have believed it. So it's a, uh, oh, it's a wonderful experience. Well, yeah, you're on an amazing journey. But if I was a betting woman, I would put money on Joe Biden listening uh, and coming to this virtual celebration. He seems to be the most Irish of all the um, Irish-American presidents. Um, and the one thing about St. Patrick's Day in Washington, I've been so many times with our uh, rowing politicians, they all seem to put their, their differences aside, even if it was just for a few hours, to celebrate St. Patrick. And I suppose I want to ask you is what, what will you play? What do you plan to play today? So I've I've picked out. It's a difficult. Um, it was a difficult decision to make. You know, such a such an important event and uh, such a yeah, such a big moment for me, really personally and musically. It was a difficult decision, but I, I'm happy with what I ha have chosen. And it's it's something that I chose something that was very personal to me and very dear to me, um, and also dear to this part of Ireland. It's a piece by the wonderful uh, composer. Irish composer Turlock O'Carolan, who was born uh, 350 years ago, not far from here where I live, the next county over in County Roscommon. And he grew up um, in the 1600s and his music is some of the most beautiful to come from this island. And it really took hold of, if we can cast our mind back to a few hundred years ago, this, it took hold the imagination of not just Ireland, but Irish people around the world. Because, of course, at that time, Irish people were beginning to really spread across the world, especially across the Atlantic. And they brought with them, many of them, the music of Turlock O'Carroll. And it was the, the most played, the most listened to, the most enjoyed music of the time. But anyway, he, he was a, a harper, uh, as many of the great musicians were at that time. And he'd lost his sight uh, at a young age. There was a, a terrible um, pandemic which was sweeping Europe at the time. Uh, much like we have today. And then it was smallpox and smallpox really ravaged Ireland uh, at that time and left him and many other people blind. And uh, as a blind 
a man often uh, the tradition of taking up the harp and being a musician was was a pathway for people and this is what he did and with absolutely amazing results he has some of the really most beautiful harp music so one of his pieces i'm going to play um for the saint patrick's day celebrations that i've recorded for the for the embassy in america is called bridget cruise it's an, a slow irish air of, of great beauty and it was written uh for Bridget, who was the childhood love of, and for many people think the love of, of the life of Turlock O'Carolan. And he, he he knew her before he lost his sight. It's believed he, though he, he had a life doing many other things and married elsewhere, he uh, never fell out of love with this his love, Bridget, though they couldn't be together because of various uh, family reasons. And, you know, the traditions of the time with arranged marriages, but he always loved her. And th- so it's, it's a song for her that I'm, I'm going to play. It's my own arrangement of it for cello. Of course, it was written for harp. And uh, I think it just captures something about the beauty of the West of Ireland that uh, will hopefully sow a seed of um, a love for two with all the uh, people around the world that will listen to it. Um, I look forward to hearing that. Um, Patrick, I think we're going to have the privilege of you playing out uh, this programme with your music. So just uh, can I ask you this? Why do you think that your music has resonated now with people? When you think about it, you have well over 30,000, 35,000 followers on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And you've become an international sensation since you've been interviewed on CNN. And tell us, why do you think that that's happening at this time now? It's It's a great question and one that I am trying to come to terms with at the moment because especially recently the 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 exposure around the world you know it's it's tens of millions now of people who have have watched my videos around the world and uh, it's it's just a number that i couldn't have ever ever fathomed before but when i think about it um there's something that is connecting people uh beyond just ireland even though irish uh culture and music is is a, is a big part of what i do um, there seems to be a part of the imagination of something that Ireland represents to people around the world that people are engaging with. So uh, the music that I play is instrumental, first and foremost. So I, I play the cello mostly. And it, something about um, something not having words, not being restricted to a certain language or certain colloquialisms or a certain time, even in history. There's something about the uh, infinite feeling about something that's just pure music. I mean, music for me, uh, for many people also is something that transcends, I think the material and the spiritual, you know, it's beyond language. It is, Mm -hmm. I know you can look at it scientifically and it's air and things, but, uh, pressure and, and physics, but it stirs something within you emotionally without a word being spoken. And there's something really incredible about that, something spiritual about that. And I feel that, um, People around the world, though we have a lot of music on uh, on our, our doorsteps every day, there seems to be something about the way that I play, which is completely live. I just p- play with my cello outside in this landscape here in the wild, windy west of Ireland. That people seem to uh, it seems to connect uh, with their with their hearts in a way. And um, yes, it's something I'll be I'll be pondering over for a while. What is what is the reason for it uh, exactly? But I think it has something to do with that powerful. Uh, nature of music to even in very tumultuous times as we're living through now it can really cut through and get straight to people's hearts yeah i i remember one of the most um profound moments during the first lockdown for me which i will never forget was listening to um andrea bocelli uh sing in the square in milan um 
you know, and it just the 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 silence and all around him, the stillness, and yet he was singing a cappello, and it it was powerful. Yes, uh, interesting you'd bring him up. He's a big influence on me as a cello player. So though he's a singer, um, for me as an instrumentalist, it is the the human voice uh, and singers that are the biggest influence on my playing and how I how I think about my music. I always think of my instruments as as a voice, you know, and what, what better voice to be trying to imitate than Bocelli. Um, but yeah, there's something really powerful about that image, you know, that this music is still connecting people, despite the utter feeling of disconnection. We just are, are, are so consumed by every day with this horrible um, situation we've had this past year. M- music has and always has been the great unifier of people of different languages of different cultures of different experiences music can bring us together yeah i think um patrick you've um, struck a chord because in the difficulty of the pandemic everybody's had to slow down and in the silence we can hear your music more we can hear the beauty of it and we can hear it in our hearts and it speaks to our hearts and it goes deeper than what's on the outside so i think you've really stirred up people um their thoughts and their emotions to think maybe about what is maybe more important in life and maybe to address the soul and the heart, which maybe we haven't been doing as much because of the busyness of the world, especially in Ireland. There's been a lot of rapid transformation and secularization. And I think you've probably spoken to people's hearts. Well, I'm, I'm delighted you think that. Uh, it certainly has always been my my goal with music. You know, uh, if, if, there, if there is a reason for me making music or a reason why I think music is so important is because I feel it does speak directly to the very center of your heart. And by playing music, you have the privilege of connecting something that you're doing, making this sound with someone else's heart and stirring feeling with them. And for me, that's so much more important uh, in music than how technical it is or how exuberant it is in some other level. I mean, the, the big question is, did it reached into someone's heart even if it was one person or if it was 10 million people and um, it's that act that makes music so important for me and makes for me it, a great privilege for me to be making music well it is a, it's such a privilege to listen and i suppose um for you lockdown has brought a lot of gifts i think it's brought a lot of gifts that people maybe only appreciate afterwards but it has changed your life in a very positive way i think it is certainly so if anyone was to ask me you know so how has this year been and uh, you know what effects and they could have various things in their mind but there is one overriding thing which just has completely made this last year uh, it's been everything for me this last year and that is the birth of my first child my baby daughter and she was born thank you very much yeah so you know a lot has happened in this past year and of course for many people it really has been a difficult difficult year and i've experienced that difficulty but i have this like shining light in the center but she was born in the middle of lockdown and it just sort of blinds all the darkness that was that was in this year because it was just such a such a wonderful thing to see her born and she's happy and healthy which is wonderful and now to see her develop and grow she's about to turn eight months old and uh yeah it's just been an incredible journey and so in, in, in for me that was you know when i look back as an old man and i people ask <laughs> what was it like to live through that lockdown to live through that <laughs> that that year uh, i can just say you know all, all i can think of is this this miracle which was my daughter's birth well, yeah, again, congratulations, Patrick. And I think you mentioned us at the beginning of the program. 
off air that uh, she will be eight months old on the 17th. Which is today. Today. <laughs> so uh, just just before we go, Patrick, we're going to go shortly. We just want to ask you just a couple of more questions. And one of our big questions is, what would you banish? Like, like St. Patrick who ba- banished the snakes from Ireland, what would you banish from Ireland? Yeah, so interesting question. Um, well, you know, it's hard at the moment. Uh, and I hope I'm not the only guest who says this, but... The thought of ridding Ireland of uh, coronavirus is just too tempting not to, I mean, uh, not to go for, because really the the idea now after a year, I, I miss my family so dearly, you know, seeing them. And though it's wonderful, we can connect digitally. The idea of being in a room with all my, my family and, uh, and playing music together, especially my, my sisters have both my two of my sisters have had children. Uh, you know, in this in this time as oh. well, and I, I haven't uh, one I haven't met in any way, and um, it just you know, I'm, as you said at the beginning, I am from a big family, and this is something that I've realised the importance of, in particular, both in having my own family and just just that idea of being disconnected in some way from my family makes me realize how important it is and if I could rid the island of coronavirus and we could all be together tomorrow I just you know it would just feel so good I couldn't I could not pick that as a as the thing to rid the island from well we pray that uh, your wish comes true but um, maybe you'd like to tell us where you could go or you would go if you had a chance to go into St. Patrick's okay time. yes so it, it was a very interesting time wasn't it you know we're talking about the a kind of fourth, fifth century AD. So he, I mean, we already touched on um, Augustine. I think that would be somebody who I would love to have spoken with, you know, both his, his, his brilliance and his dark sides as well. Would be, I feel there'd be so much to learn. And I think that whole area of North Africa at that time, though turbulent, there was just such uh, wonderful minds and, and ideas going around there. We had you know, the remnants of all the Hellenic period texts, which were, you know, quickly disappearing, really, as they were kind of hastily being translated and many people hoping that they could could keep them. And, you know, many of which inspired the, the Renaissance later and so much thinking for Europe in, uh, in later millennia. But yeah, just so many ideas from around there. I think I would have to pick somewhere, you know, um, Algeria, somewhere in North Africa, where uh, there was these cultural mixes happening, which, though turbulent, uh, just so many ideas and so much to learn, and so much uh, ideas that maybe have and texts that we've lost now that I would love to get my hands on from around there. So I'd have to pick my travel I, itinerary would definitely be going around North Africa. I think. Well, Patrick, we can't accommodate that, but you are <laughs> very welcome anytime you want to come as our guest on St. Patrick's Way. We have a 28 kilometer Camino here. You could do six miles, you could do 11, and we have a beautiful coastal walk right up the coast, right up to St. Patrick's Well towards our glass. It's just beautiful, but um, I'm sure you're very busy with the baby and family, but well, you're wonderful. welcome anytime I love you want. Walking is one of my favorite things. One of the reasons that makes me love living in rural Ireland. So I would love to join you sometime. And I have a, I wonder how the path is for i have a pretty off-road buggy which does the uh which does the hiking trails here uh, do you think that would be okay to bring the baby there'd be no problem, <laughs> be no problem. wonderful very okay. welcome <laughs> it's probably about the same size as a lane <laughs> yeah probably probably bigger <laughs> uh, so patrick thank you very much you have very kindly agreed to play us out of the program and so we will let you do that as soon as uh, i've thanked everyone from our producers tim campbell and damien mckee and myself. And so I just want to wish everybody on behalf of the team, happy St. Patrick's Day and God bless you all. And please remember to check out our new St. Patrick's show online today 
on all our adventure experiences on our website, www.stpatrickscenter.com. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.